right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lefko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lefko and Chris Sims. <laughs> it is literally the best time of the week. Give me some love. Sims and Lefko Podcast back in action. Chris Sims, Adam Lefko. Uh, getting ready for week six of the NFL season. Week five was awesome. It was. Week six has the ultimate matchup, and we're going to get to that in a second. Yeah. But let's do the old roundabout. Say hi to everybody. Our producer, Josh, has a special guest now. Uh, yes. I have Mother a very, Hen very special friend over here. Mother Hen has a dark rooster <laughs> cockadoodle do. We're going to call it a hen for the purposes Can we of the get podcast. a freaking hen behind Josh This is the Bendrick. best I could do for now. Yes. We'll start with the hen, and then we'll get the uh, or start with the rooster. We'll get the hen eventually. What a lovely gift from your grandmother, Thank my you. dad. I appreciate that. What's she, grandma's name? Uh, her name is Naomi. Naomi. She, she gave it to me. What? Naomi. Is that a problem, Adam? No, I just I wasn't. I, I was wasn't expecting, expecting Naomi. Oh, yeah, was, yeah, Naomi. Not a normal a grandma name. That's what I got. Right. Well, I think that's an awesome gift. Uh, let's get the old wave from Gabe. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's those dirty fingers. Gosh, he's so mature now that he's older. And, of course, the control room, please. Where's those the control room? Back there. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, Pellegrino, you're blocking Steinmetz's hand. How dare you? <laughs> um, but, but overall, I'm super excited. We have a lot to get to. Uh, we're going to have Antonio Cromartie on the podcast, which I think will be really fun. Of course, we're going to do our ballers and coordinators of the week. And then also a discussion about... Is it now the Legion of Gloom, or as, as uh, Fendrick calls it, defenseless in Seattle? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We watched the film yesterday, yeah. and uh, it's a whole new Seattle team. Yeah. But the one thing that I want to start off with, of course, New England taking on the Colts, Patriots, Colts, Patriots, Grigson, Brady, and all this. It was the story of the offseason. Right. It was the only thing that we talked about over and over and over again. Uh, you worked for the Patriots organization. I'm curious. Will there be extra motivation? Because this is a team that you've always told me stays even keel. Right. Will they be super crazy this week? They will not be super crazy. And I, I will actually be shocked if Bill Belichick says one thing to the team when he's up there talking about it that has anything to do with last year. You know, everyone thinks, Bill, you know, we're on to next week. We're on to next week. Bill's not that good of an actor. That's what Bill really is. I mean, right. that's he's really, not doing that for the media. He's really not. That's what he is day in, day out. Uh, you know, does he have a little personal side to him? Sure. But, no, that's – and as a whole, that is him. They're a team that is motivated by one thing that's winning. They're angry. They're motivated as it is. They always You're feel telling like me it's that a, Tom Brady is not going to want to put up 70? The, he will. You're telling it, me that fourth quarter, they're up 21. They're not going to try and go up 35? They do that to anybody. It gotcha. doesn't matter if it's the Colts. It doesn't matter if it's Denver later in the year. It, hey, it, it's the old I saying. I feel like Brady might be the one, though, that's extra motivated. Well, I'm sure. Listen, they're going to be motivated. I, I, I know that. But I don't think they're going to make it a rallying cry. They're not going to say it publicly. They're, they're not. They're going to keep that within themselves. They're not going to say it even to the team. He's not going to make that. Because Bill's not going to want his team to to get on an emotional roller coaster yes. before the game well, starts. Well, you've always said that's what makes Belichick great is he doesn't motivate based on opponents. He motivates based on yourself. Right. Now, my question is this. It's not his job to coach the Colts, too. I, so. I do think that Brady will have extra fire in his belly. Sure. And the one thing I was worried about from a Patriots perspective, because let's be honest, the Colts, they're 3-2. and two, They were 0-2, oh and, and their three wins are over a 1-3 and three Jets.
Jaguars, a one and three Texans, and a one and three Tennessee. And that game was a miracle win right, for the Colts. Right. So they haven't have great wins, and Hasselbeck's doing it. Really, my hope was going to be Hasselbeck plays and upsets the <laughs> Patriots because that would just ruin all storylines. But if the Patriots go out there and blow them away, right. and Brady throws for 500 yards, is there any chance that there could be a letdown for the rest of the season in terms of? All that pent-up frustration is right. now gone. No, Any possibility? No, no way will that be a, a possibility. Uh, they're just—they're a unique group up there. They really are. They don't care about anything other than they want to win the Super Bowl. Wow. I mean, I had a conversation. We had lost the AFC Championship game. Uh, we had lost the AFC Championship game to the Baltimore Ra- Ravens, yes, right? Ravens. The Ravens are going to go on and play the San Francisco 49ers. I'm in the weight room the next week because I'm working in New England, and Bill Belichick is in there with me. It's me and Bill and his son in the weight room. Yes. Uh, I'm uncomfortable as it is because I'm like, oh, the boss is here. Maybe I should be in my office. I'm trying right. to get a workout in. Uh, but, Bill, I asked Coach just to make some friendly conversation. I go, you know, Coach, what do you, what do you think is going to happen in the Super Bowl? Who do you like, the Ravens or the Niners? We had played both teams that year. Yeah. He goes, uh, I, I really had no interest in the game. I really, it has no, it doesn't concern me. And Gosh. that's just the He's way they are. Yes, they're in it to win the Super Bowl. They're going to be motivated. They're extra motivated, of course, for what happened in the year. But yes. they want to go 16-0, and and they want to win the Super Bowl. They're a team that's capable of it. No way they lose to the Colts. I'm telling you that I believe you on Bill Belichick. I don't believe you on Brady, and I have a reason why. Right. And it goes back to this fact. Tom Brady is Boston George from the movie Blow. And I need you to sit with me here, okay? I'm going to take you to the scene where Ryan Grigson becomes the mother from Blow. And here's why. If you don't know the movie, I'll get you up to this point. You mean crazy Penelope Cruz mother? No, 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 no. Oh, George Young's mother. Yes, exactly. George Young uh, moved, was from New England. Oh, moves to California, discovers a booming drug market there. It was marijuana. Uh, Took it over, all that stuff. Gets in trouble for transporting drugs. Gets arrested. Goes back home to his father, Robert Kraft, who knows that his son is doing all these things but won't acknowledge all of that. And while speaking to him, the mom, Ryan Grigson, calls the cops and gets him arrested. Here's why. What a horrible mom, by the way. One of the worst movie moms in the (laughs) history of moms because the movie up to that point is incredible. Here's the thing. Here was the quote that the mom from Blow said as he was being arrested, yelling it out so the whole neighbor could hear. Everyone knows, George, it's no secret. Every time I go out, I'm humiliated. So you go to jail. It's for your own good. You need to straighten your life out. I really believe that Ryan Grigson thought this is for the betterment of the league. It's for the good of the league. But really, just like the mom, acting in self-interest, felt jealous, wanted to do more. And here's why I think this leads to Tom Brady winning more Super Bowls. Right. He goes to jail. What happens in jail? Boston George. He meets Meets Diego. connections, right. And he learns about cocaine. (laughs) All right? And he goes to do this whole thing. And, and, and his career takes off even more. Right. Tom Brady now, I believe for the first time, is motivated by, by vengeance, by revenge. And I really think that it's taken hold. And I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing such great play out of him is already motivated Tom Brady is at another level. I look at that movie, I think it's like the same thing, man. I think he discovered a new aspect of motivation that he hasn't had. For the longest time, honestly- he was the sixth round draft pick. And that was his motivation. And now it's vengeance. And I think he's going to be – I think the Patriots could win more, like three more Super Bowls. Now. Well, they certainly can. I don't know if I necessarily agree with all of that. I think what Tom Brady, the offseason, brought to him is he realized, man, 
Uh, and even I hear about the talk with his, you know, maybe getting a divorce from G Giselle Bundchen. All that I stuff. think his life was all over the place, and he realized, wait, I'm about football. I need to get back to the basics. He is... He's going to be motivated every week. You see him score the touchdown last week against the Dallas Cowboys. Spikes the ball, yells at the fans. He's yelling at them because they've been saying things to him all yeah. the game, heckling him. Uh, he's playing phenomenal. Either way, they're going to. Tom whoop, Brady is Boston. They're going to whoop the crap out of the Indianapolis Colts. What, how many points do you think they score? Forty-two. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Luck, Matt Hasselbeck, it doesn't matter. They are not in the same class as the New England Patriots. Oh, my gosh. It should be an absolute fantastic game. Where are we? We got Cromartie or what? Uh, not yet. He's coming on in a few, so I think we can talk Seattle defense. That's what the want. DB does in the NFL. They say, wait, I don't care about being on time. Um, they don't want to be on time for the meeting they have in football. Let, let alone the interview for the Sims and Lefko podcast. For Mother Hen, they don't care about that. They need a Mother Hen to get him to their interviews on time. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, we watched Seattle's film uh, Seattle-Cincinnati, what a game. I think you could boil it down to this point. Seattle usually wins those games. Cincinnati usually <coughs> loses those games. Seattle allows uh, the 17-point comeback in right. the fourth quarter pretty much. We were watching the game, and we kept on film and going, when is Cincinnati going to make this comeback? We watched it live, but it, it even made you realize, wow, I mean, they really put this all together at the end. Yeah. Looking at the film, do you think that teams are afraid of Seattle's defense? Anymore? Well, all right. Well, first thing is, we got to get to this real quick. I, I got to say it because all this talk I'm hearing in the media about Cam Chancellor not covering the tight end down the seam. I saw an article from Bill Bardwell and Grantland about it. I saw something from Greg Cosell talking right. about the two touchdowns from Tyler Eifert were Cam Chancellor's fault. Not and then Cam also Chancellor's the fault. The throw on the side to uh, Muhammad Sanu. Right. It was bad. Coverage. Not Cam Chancellor's fault. Break yes. Which people got to realize what's really going on. Watch the rest of the film. And you'll figure out what they really try to do against those certain concepts. No, that was on the corner. Both touchdown passes were on the corner. Carrie, Carrie Williams. Williams. Yes. Cam Chancellor maybe could have put his hands on the tight end just to disrupt his release, but his job is to play underneath coverage there. He's not carrying people down the it's seam. It's a cover three That's concept, never, so Carrie Williams Carrie Williams back. is okay. My receivers, his receiver goes, goes inside, right? He goes inside. Eifert goes straight. Cam Chancellor has to take the inside guy. Kerry Williams is responsible for the seam. So that is totally off base right away. Then to get back to your point about the Seattle yeah. defense, yes, the Seattle defense is not what it was a few years back when they won the Super Bowl. The biggest thing, their defensive line cannot close out games, cannot put you in bad situations like they used to be able to. And that's because of the lack of depth on their defensive mm. line and talent compared to that Super Bowl Because you're not going to say Michael Bennett. I mean, Michael Bennett's no, still balling. No, it's guys like, hey, you've got to think about who they had when they won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. It's okay. Yeah, they had Brandon Meebane and Michael Bennett, sure. Yes. But they had Cliff Averill, who was in his prime. He's no longer a top tier pass rusher in football. Yeah. Uh, they had Chris Clemens, who was very good. They had Red Bryant, who was a defensive tackle, defensive end, who started yes. on that team. They had Clinton McDonald. They had Tony McDaniel as defensive tackle. So they were so much more talented yeah. and deeper at the defensive line position. They could get in games where they were up 24 7. They knew you're going to throw the ball. They get you in a lot of second and longs because they sacked the quarterback or it's third and long, and they sack the quarterback yeah. or the quarterbacks. So that is the biggest issue to me, at least when I evaluate their defense. I'll tell you, the other surprising thing. They're about still the, really good. I, of the course. offense stinks, too. Their offense stinks, yes, too, and I think right. that was the biggest thing. But, yeah, I mean, Giovanni Bernard had a lot of success running right up the gut against Seattle towards the end there. Yeah. So, look, they're, they're what, two and three now? Yep. 
as you look at Seattle, where is your confidence level of that team being a playoff team and inflicting pain and punishment? Well, I think it's exactly where when we left training camp and we saw the Seattle Seahawks, what, what did we say? I said to you, I just, this is not their year. They are not going to be a one or a two seed. They're going to fight for their wild card life this year. They are, their only hope is to be a five or a six seed in the NFC playoffs. Uh, yes, the offense struggles. I mean, hey, it's 24 to seven. I know the Legion of Boom let, let the Bengals come back, but man, it was. It was three and out. It was six and out. It was three and out. It was three and out. It was six and out. That was the whole second half for the yeah. Seattle Seahawks offense. They're allowed to keep the ball and, and make the clock run a little bit as well. Richard Sherman played well. Right. Uh, Earl Thomas played well. All over the field. I don't think Cam played that bad, as everyone's saying. K.J. Wright is still a baller. Phenomenal. Um, and, I mean, he, I think he's better than Bobby Wagner. I would agree. About I that. Would, I can't, if I was going to start my team, I, KJ, I would take K.J. Wright over Bobby Wagner. That's not a slap Tony on Bobby Dungy's Wagner. MVP. <laughs> because Bobby Wagner is a really good player. Don't get me wrong. But, hey, Seattle's amazing. they got to reevaluate their play a little bit. I do think they need to change up their schemes on the defensive side of the ball. A hair. i just got to say this. Teams are catching oh, on i, I, I got to get this out. Daryl Bevel should be ashamed with what he's doing with Jimmy Graham. When you watch this offense on film, it is a complete mismanagement of talent. The fact that John Schneider, who we believe is one of the best GMs, made a move to get rid of an all-pro center on an offensive line that was already weak to get a guy like Jimmy Graham, who we have seen time and time and time again dominate defenses in the NFL and then line him up like that and to not even utilize him. Right. Well said. What? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, well, the offense in general. And I, I got to think they realize that. I mean, Seattle is one of those teams you watch them and you go, man, they physically have beaten the crap out of a team for four quarters. And you look up and you go, damn, they're losing by three points in yeah. the fourth quarter. How is that possible? So they have to reevaluate the way they play the game, both offensively and defensively I a little bit. I think the Seahawks right now should be counting their lucky stars that the NFC East is an absolute cluster. Right. That there is no team in the NFC North that really is going to make yeah. I mean, if you're relying on the, the Vikings and the Bears to get a wild card, right. the Seahawks right now are going, all we have to do is get behind the Falcons or the Panthers, and we're going to be fine. Right. But they're in trouble. Still no Cromartie, huh? Still no Cromartie. I love you, it. I'll let you know as soon as I know. Yeah, he said, right, the hell well with you. Cock-a-doodle-doo. You think uh, that's what he said, Chris? I bet <laughs> you that's what he said. The other big news that came out yesterday, uh, first of all, Mike Vick, yeah. uh, hilarious and all that stuff. Big Ben. We're going to get into that in a second. Right. But what a big news day. Steve Spurrier resigns. Yes. He says he resigns. He's not retiring. Part of the reason he said was that it was hurting them on the recruiting trail. Um, you but this were, is going to help the recruiting You were trail. recruited by him at Florida. Right. Uh, Peyton Manning kind of told you... I wouldn't think about going there, but I'm curious. Yeah. Your thoughts on the Steve Spurrier and all that? Well, I got issues with it. And, again, I got issues with the NCAA when this involves this, all, all this. Now, uh, I, yeah, I disagree with all that. He's quitting on his team, plain and simple. That's all there is to it. He could have waited this out for the year. Because it's think? been a celebration for him the last two days of people talking about quotes, how much they'll miss him. He had a lot of great times. I mean, And everyone keeps saying this, oh, Steve Spurrier, it's, it was going to be like, when I got done, on to the next guy. That upsets you. I, it, it upsets me. It, two things. First of all, he has a big press conference in the summer. I'm going to coach for a few, you know, five more years, and I'm not stopping. I still got the same drive. Okay, that was like two months ago, and now he's quitting because he's worn out. What does he think the interim coach is going to do recruiting? Do you think players are going to go, oh, well, Dan, they got the interim coach. They got it all figured out now. I'll, I'll commit to South Carolina. That's a bull crap 
uh, bullcrap excuse. And also, what kind of exa- – you know, we talk about players and when they do bad things and, oh, they're bad role models. What kind of example is it your head coach, a 70-year-old man, things are getting a little rough. I don't know if I want to stay around and deal with this. Let me just quit. Uh, that, mm. I do have an issue with all of that. And then even just going back into a few summers ago when he was kind of ragging on Jadeveon Clowney and his work ethic. You know, uh, there's a lot of stories about lack of work ethic with Steve Spurrier. I don't think he was privy to judge people like that. So, yeah, I do have a little issue with the whole situation. Um, and I think it's wrong in all accounts. And I think it looks really bad on NCAA and, NCAA and college football. That's why I have no problem saying things like Leonard Fournette shouldn't play his junior year. Mm. Or don't play. Don't get hurt. Uh, these coaches, coaches can leave whenever they want. These coaches can leave, go to another school, quit whenever they want. Beyond, they get paid money yeah. still. And but the players now you beyond can't do that. the way he exited Heisman Trophy winner, the successes of coaching. What do you think his legacy is as a college football coach? Well, well, he's he's one of the all-time great college coaches. He certainly is. He's one of the all-time great personalities too. He did uh, offensively. He was a mastermind there for a time in the '90s. You know, early 2000s. Sure. Some of the things he was doing certainly. Uh, but his colorful press conferences. I mean, some of those quotes are awesome. FSU, Free Shoes University. Absolutely. You can't spell citrus without UT. I mean, all he those. He had the one about. Peyton Manning says, I think I know why Peyton Manning came back for another year because he wants to be a three-time Citrus Bowl MVP. You <laughs> know what right. I mean? Like, Those are great. He was fantastic. I love that stuff. I, I didn't really realize do. that Jadavian County could speed. He didn't have the cars like they did at Florida State. <laughs> like there, there are literally yes. countless amount of times yes. where he's just been incredible for that. Right. And I'll miss him for that regard. Right. Um, I also think he made it harder for college coaches to transition to the NFL for a time being. Yes. His failure was so epic at Washington right. that we could question the Chip Kellys. We questioned the Jim Harbaugh's. And he was always the guy they mentioned. And now we've gotten past it. Yeah. But in terms of personalities, he will be an incredible, an incredible analyst wherever he goes. Yeah. Because he will just start calling out everybody. He definitely will. You know that he used to make fun of Mac Brown all the time. Because he was the coach of Duke and Mac Brown was the coach of UNC and he Shit. called him Mr. Football. He goes, Oh, I don't want to, I don't, I don't think I can go back to Duke and deal with Mr. Football. I mean, he was incredible. So he, he was definitely great. Why we're on the topic of SEC, though, Let's I mean, it. the SEC, the fact that there's no SEC team in the top five in college football is troubling to me. First of all, the SEC is so much better than the rest of college football. It's not even close. Just Your issue is the Big 12 teams, that there's a Baylor and a TCU the, in there. The flag – I played in the Big 12, okay? I have a lot of Big 12 pride, but that is a flag football conference right now. To have them be number two and number three when no team has won a national championship like that yet, it's mind-boggling. I don't know what people are voting on. Need, they need to set a rule where there's two SEC teams in the Final Four. I'm dead serious. They, need, they are so much better than everybody. They beat each other up all year long, and then we go, well, they have two losses. How can they be in the Final Four? Yeah, because like four of the five best teams in college football are all in the SEC. There now, you go. I got to get it off my chest. Does it feel good? I does. I feel better. Now, like Utah's in there as well, and, and your thing is, is competition and also, I mean, look, no one's going to argue the level of success of the players from the SEC and how they go into the NFL. Right. The, the, the eye test, it's all that. Um, if the oh, SEC could get, like, some better coaches, we wouldn't even have this issue. You have a theory about Saban propping up the oh, SEC Saban, coaches. Oh, you ever hear Saban loves to prop up the SEC coaches because he? I don't think he really thinks any of them are that good. So he loves to glow about it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that Mark Richt, he's one great coach. Holy cow, he's amazing, he's amazing. 
I mean, they underperform every year. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he wants Les Miles and Mark Rick to be there forever. Why do you think the Big 12 teams keep getting voted in like that? Uh, well, they're exciting. People see yards and things like that. I think that people think the Big 12 is still a legitimate conference, and it's, it's just not the same conference it was 10 years ago or when I was in college back in those days. I mean, we were... You know, we were extremely talented, NFL-heavy players, and we, there was a lot more pro-style offense. Now I think it's just numbers and yards and names of schools. And there's been some sexy skill guys that come out, RG3 and, uh, you know, Josh Gordon and things like that from the Baylors of the world. Yeah. Uh, but I do. I think offensive stats are catching people's eyes instead of maybe just the quality of the play on the field. Let's do a quick update. Any Antonio Cromartie? So the update on Antonio Cromartie, uh, he's going to be home in 15 minutes, and we'll have him on Skype. So I think he's on our, Rivas Island and he can't get yeah, off. He's on Rivas Island. So I think we get our bars of the week, our coordinators of the week. Uh, I know you wanted to ask Chris about Golden Tate, so we can hit that. Uh, maybe we talk to Mother Hen for a little bit, and then we'll talk to Cromartie I'm before Stephen Nelson Golden comes Tate. in. I want to talk about something that we're going to talk about because Golden Tate backtracked and he was like, you know, that the Lions true. fans have been around for 50, 60 years. Yeah, when you call it a fan base, you're an idiot. Nah, like, that's just bad Not business. a good business decision. But I, I want to talk about something that we're going to talk about with Antonio Cromartie. Is Odell Beckham Jr. annoying? I, I just, I kind of want to ask you because I know you've talked about it. I'm an Eagles fan, so I'm, uh, look, but a non biased person, Odell Beckham Jr. is not a flash in the pan. Right. He is not a one year wonder. But the dancing and the documentaries and all that stuff, as a former player, yeah. as someone who's only been in the league now for about, he hasn't even been in the league for a full 16 games. Right. What is your take on Odell Beckham Jr.? Because I know Cromartie has a lot of things to say yeah, about Yeah, well, yeah, Cromartie. And I think, you know, well, yeah, my take on Odell Beckham Jr., it's a little much right now. It's a little much. Yes, he had a great year. He's a phenomenal receiver. I mean, he's one of the five, six best receivers in football, hands down. But it was only 12 games. And I think what Antonio Cromartie, really, his issue with it, and we'll ask him about it, you know, Nobody wants to see anybody just put on the crown after 12 games. And not in the NFL world. We want to see that. you got to do it for a few years to be able to just... Do you think Odell Beckham Jr. put the crown on him? Or do you think the media put the crown on him? Well, I think the media did a little bit. But he also soaked it up as well. And he's also in every limelight there is possible here in the New York City area. And I do think you you piss players off. You're going to piss your teammates off. You're going to piss other players off around the NFL who go, man, I've been good for five years and I haven't had one commercial. And Odell Beckham Jr. had 12 games and he's on four different commercials, has a TV show. He's invited to, you know, fashion shows and talk shows and all this. So that How much of that is off. New York? How much of that is the one play? And how much of that is his overall yeah, success? Yeah, well, it's New York and the one play together, I think, is the, the big jumping off point there. But I think that's what Antonio Cromartie was trying to say. And, and we'll clear that up. But I think he was just trying to say, like, hey, I respect them, but it's one year. Did you ever have point. a guy on your team that was, that was getting crowned? Or do you remember anyone in the NFL that, that people thought was getting crowned a little early? Well, uh, well, let's see. You know, one guy I can just think of on my own team, we had a, we had a Michael Clayton who was a first-round right. pick out of LSU. Had like 80 catches his first Great year in the NFL. first year, right, because Joey Galloway got hurt, so we had to really feature him in the offense. And uh, it, it went to his head to a degree. I don't think he would disagree if we had Mike Clayton right here. He not necessarily attacked his profession with the professional matter he needed to that next offseason. Right. Uh, and that's what happens when you anoint young but kids. But I will say this. I haven't seen that out of Odell Beckham Jr. No. So much of what's being publicized about him is the work ethic, is the constant catching yes. of footballs, is the incredible thing. And I will say this. Watching him pregame, 
watching him make those catches on the sideline, watching his physical ability, a lot of times I go, this kid absolutely deserves it because he is a marvel in terms of physical but maybe ability. maybe you should tone it down with the pregame stuff, too. But you have a hamstring issue. That would just be another thing I would The hamstring happened on the celebration. So, I, it Let's just like say it. it. it looked you like don't it did, make but. the cut and run with a bum <laughs> hamstring. He danced and he did this thing and he's doing the salsa. And here's my issue as, as someone who likes bad guys yeah. and someone who likes flair. I don't want him to stop dancing yeah. because I think that's the cool part of the NFL. Like, I'm the kind of person when the NFL limits celebrations, I get upset. Like, right. I love personality coming out. It just seems like it's reached this, like, he's reached critical mass where you're about to start annoying people. Yeah, and, and some of the touchdown dances are just, they're, they're not dances. They're like well, choreography. Uh, Mother, Mother Hen has a good story about this and the touchdown dances and how his girlfriend didn't even understand it. Well, she was just confused the first time she saw him score a touchdown. Well, you she went was, to the she Giants was like, game. Yeah, I was there for Giants-Redskins on Thursday night, and she was like, what, what is he doing? My and, wife said the same thing, and, and my wife also, has, knows nothing about football. She also wanted to know if he had choreographed it in advance, and then the question became, like, why is he choreographing dances and not preparing for football games? Definitely choreographed So that was the, the majority. Just, the conversation in the bleachers for me. Was, <laughs> our, our awesome camera dude, Gabe, uh, Gabe is a Giants fan. He just said the reason he's doing it is because he's a boss. Uh, and, yeah, I, yeah. And, I, and look, as long as he keeps putting up numbers, yep. be the guy. Right. I, I look back, I kind of like Michael Irvin. I look back, I kind of like Deion Sanders. I like guys that talk and back it up. And that's been the thing. And he has turned Eli into another quarterback. I mean, Eli is, is refurbished. You go out there, even at the end, he's got the hamstring injury. He completely goes out there and distracts an entire defense. He is great. He did put up 180-something yards against the Eagles last year. They're taking it. We're going to pick that game yeah, soon. He's amazing. I don't want to get that confused. He, but you're he just is. kind of saying, look, you know. Just chill it out. And the you documentary know, you said Sanders and Mike Orvin, like, they did it like running into the end zone, and then, then that was it. They didn't sit there for another 10 seconds after they scored and did like a whole color, like one, two, three, five, seven, nine. Like, just score the touchdown, spike that crap, and get the hell out of there. Joe I mean, Flacco's spike was so funny. This so him weekend. and Tom Brady and Gronk, they're all, I love their spikes. Well, I don't think Flacco knows how to spike. Flacco, like, releases it, like, right at the end. Um, Gronk is an amazing spiker, an amazing. He is an amazing spiker. I mean, spiker. even in practice, he would do it every now and then. I'd be like, wow. Because uh, when I used to watch, we used to, John Gruden, when we would be watching film all together in, in a room, you know, if somebody scored a touchdown, he'd be like, oh, did he get it out of the screen? And if the spike didn't go out of the screen, we were like, ah, he blew it. Uh, but Gronk, in practice, I mean, he would spike ball sometimes, and it would go 20 feet in the air. And I was like, holy cow. I mean, he, he's got it down. So he's spiking balls in practice? He spikes anything, yes. He will spike it, sure. Is it, is he, does Gronk spike because he finds it fun or because he thinks other people find it fun? I, I think he's just big Gronk, and he's like, oh, let me just, let me destroy football, ball. <laughs> that's 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 him in a nutshell. I mean, he's, he's he's awesome. He's a very unique character. I'm happy that he's become a baller. Let's do our ballers of the week right now. Cool. We'll do the players first. We'll do the coordinator second. Yep. Uh, first up, offensive line. I am going to give my baller of the week. The music right now is awesome. You're is not it? Hearing it? Yeah, it's like a marching like uh, full metal jacket. Oh. My baller of the week for the offensive line. I am going Kyle Long of the Chicago Bears. We watched uh, the Chiefs-Bears game. Right. He held Justin Houston to two tackles, and I'm talking about... Two assists, not even two, two tackles. Yeah. yeah, just assists, which means no, that he was, was part JJ. of it. That was JJ. Oh, maybe you're right. Houston you're was right. two tackles, right. but it was also end of the game. Jay Cutler's trying to lead these comebacks. I'm going to watch Houston on every play because he had 20-something sacks last year, and Long's like this. Yeah. He got nothing. Uh, he was incredible. Who is? And, and I'll do my D-line. Yeah, my sure. D-line of the week, 
Carlos Dunlap of those Cincinnati Bengals. You watch that game, it may have been the issue with the right tackle for the Seahawks, but every single snap, Dunlap was back there, and when he hits a quarterback, yeah. he doesn't just hit him. He pulls his weight down, and he's slamming Russell Wilson to we're rewinding it and going, I mean, I hope Russell Wilson can, right. can think right, right now. Right. Carlos Dunlap, I think he's one of the league leaders right now in sacks. Yes. He deserves it. He's a baller. Yeah, definitely a baller. Uh, my defensive line baller of the week, Mike Daniels, Green Bay Packers. We watched that yes. film yesterday. Uh, really impressive against the St. Louis Rams, Todd Gurley. Gurley had a big day, a little misleading because it was, what, 50-something yards, 55 yards on 55 one carry? Yard run. Yes. Right, so it's a little misleading, but I thought he was phenomenal on the interior part of that Green Bay defensive line. And then I'm cheating a little with my offensive line. I'm going two guys because they both handled J.J. Watt. Uh, but Jack Muhort, Todd Harriman's right guard, right tackle for the Indianapolis Colts. To hold J.J. Watt to just two assists. Now, listen, did they have help? Did they double-team him a little bit? Yeah, but every team in football tries to do that yes. every week, and J.J. Watt still gets two sacks and causes a fumble. Uh, so kudos to them. That was pretty big-time effort. I mean, that was really the first game I can remember watching J.J. Watt in a while and going, I haven't heard his name in two quarters. I haven't yeah. heard his name. It was the first time in a while. Oh, my gosh, that yeah. quarterback situation there. Absolute yeah. cluster. Does, Ryan Mallett, yeah. what are you doing? Disaster. All right, uh, in terms of coordinators of the week, I am going to go with two guys who get roasted in the media all the time, but I thought had very good game plans this past week. Yeah. Offensive coordinator, I'm going Jeep Christ, who is someone that we've been questioning in San Francisco for a long time, but I thought the game plan that he put forward for Colin Kaepernick, I know Giants fans were freaking out, but I thought it was a nice mix of short and medium passes, moving him in the pocket. Was he running for his life at times toward the end? Yes, but I also think that was the offensive line. Um, but I really liked what they did with Colin Kaepernick, coming off an epic bad performance from the week before. Yes. Do you agree or disagree? No, no, I do agree. Listen, they deserve some credit. It's an offense that's been much maligned. Okay. I, don't, I still don't look at it and go, oh, wow, that was an amazing game plan. Right. But nonetheless, it was good. And they, they, they went out there and actually executed it, which is something they have not been able to do at all. Okay, good. Yeah. I just, I'm afraid I'm going to look like an idiot. All right, <laughs> good. Uh, my defensive quarter of the week, I'm going where you went with Mike Daniels. I'm going Dom Capers. Mm, yeah. I really like what they did against St. Louis. When we watched the film, it was uh, two linebackers is up in the back and then dropping the end. A lot of creative stuff. A lot of creative, a lot right. of mismatches. And I, I also think that they're using their talent well, figuring out where to put Clay Matthews, moving Julius Peppers around, bringing some interesting blitzes, and then kind of getting the right rotation of D linemen. Right. I had a lot of fears for Green Bay's defense. I thought it was what's going to hold them back from the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right now, I actually think that the defense is more creative than the offense. Agreed. Which, I, which is surprising. It is surprising. I totally agree with you there. Uh, uh, so my... my uh, look up the DCs. Your uh, offensive coordinator. I know. I know. Let's I know say him first, and I'll say it. Okay. I was going to say the defensive coordinator. I always Keith Butler. I Butler. I always want to call him Bet Belcher because the other Pittsburgh James coach Belcher Belt is out in uh, Arizona. So yes. I always. But yes, Keith Butler would be my DC of the week. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers defensive coordinator. I thought that was a phenomenal game plan against Philip Rivers. Uh, Philip Rivers, of course, one of the best quarterbacks in football. But that secondary in Pittsburgh, it stinks. I mean, it stinks. And he did a lot of creative things. I know Philip threw for three over 330 yards, yes. But it stopped him from scoring points and just marching the ball down the field from every time they had the ball. They, they made life hard on Phillip Rivers, and I think it was because of the game planning. Uh, my OC of the week, I am horrible at remembering Filippo, who the, Filippo. Oh, yeah, John DiFilippo for the uh, Cleveland Browns. Um, thoroughly impressed. I really didn't know what to expect with him as a play caller uh, doing this for the first time. 
He impressed me when I did the week three game against the Oakland Raiders, and I said, wow, there's a little something to this offense. Uh, but to do what he and Josh McCown did to that Baltimore Ravens defense, they got a nice blend of short passing game, and I love the fact that they take a few shots down the field every game. That's one thing I think some offenses forget to do, even Green Bay at times. Just throw the ball deep just to scare the defense a little. Back them off you. Yeah. Uh, because I watched that Green Bay game and go, guys like, um, you know, Tremaine Johnson gets the interception. Why? Because they've done nothing to scare them at one point. They're just coming downhill. They're not worried about James Jones beating them deep, yes. doing things like that. Uh, so that's what I have to say. I, I, I'm happy that he's doing well because there was a lot of doubts. And I think when Johnny was in there for the first two weeks, you were like, man, this offense, it's back to basics. Yes. But you kind of get to what we saw with Pittsburgh on Monday night. Sometimes you got to tailor that offense around your players. And they had to kind of limit it, it sounds like, with Johnny Manziel. I think so. Now they're opening up with McCown. Agreed. And I think that's and part of the – And props to McCown, who after that year in Tampa Bay – and I, I realized something. Yeah. Josh McCown was not the problem in Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, Tampa, Tampa Bay Tampa Bay was... is the problem in Tampa Bay. Yeah, well, that was like one of the toughest situations ever. I don't think people realize. You remember the Tampa Bay situation, right? Yes. The offensive Jeff coordinator, Tedford. Jeff Tedford, gets sick before the year starts, and you have to name your wide receiver coach the offensive coordinator. That's like unheard of in the NFL. That's very hard to overcome that. Uh, yeah, his play wasn't good, but you're right. It was a tough situation, and I think we all forget that. Well, let's do a quick update. Let's keep it rolling. Yeah, baby. DBs. DBs at Free Shoes University said no. You know what we should do? We should go back to an old podcast staple that people on video probably don't even know. Spirit animals? No, forget spirit animals. I say we prank call Johnny Damon and just see what happens. (laughs) This is podcast 34, we said, right? Podcast 34. Sweetness, Bo Jackson, Shaquille O'Neal basketball. No. Yes, Lakers, he was 34. Yes. Not Nitschke. Yes. Not, no, not Ray Nitsky. Yeah, Lakers, he was 34. Gabe he was right about that. Yeah, he was He was 32. 32 and 33. The Lakers, he was 34. Magic Johnson was 32. 32, 33 to me are like the most popular basketball numbers in terms of like really successful. That's when you get into like the Grant Hills and the Magic. I don't think Grant Hill was that actually. Uh, well, he was at Duke. I think he was 33. Right. Yeah. Yes, uh, but he was. still Kareem Abdul, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. They're all 32, 33. What was your, what were the numbers that you, like, because you were always a two. Right. But what were some other numbers that you always were like, you know, if I couldn't get two, and you could go any range of numbers. What right. would you go with? Oh, I mean, I, I always thought like, uh, well, quarterback numbers, you know, two, I love single digit quarterback numbers. The one number I like in double digits was 12, but like Randall every quarterback Cunningham. in football is 12. It's yes. like, so I was always like, nah, I'm going to be a little different. So I went with the, the uh, old deuce there. I loved eight because of Steve Young and Troy Aikman. Mm. Steve was a lefty like me, so he was like one of the only guys, and I loved Troy Aikman. So, they were, that was another number. I was actually eight for a year in college. Uh, but, like, other numbers, man, I would love to be able to wear, like, be a cool DB and wear 21 or be a linebacker and wear 56. Do you see or what he's doing right now? Be with his a hands? D end and wear ninety nine. When 99. he turns into a defensive player, he puts his hands in the crotchal region. Like and it's yo, like, if I was gonna a kill DB. you, <laughs> yeah, I, DBs are well because they're just they're so confident. Like like Antonio Cromartie, he's like the hell with the Sims and Lefko podcast. <laughs> I'm a big time DB. They need me more than I need them. That's awesome. <laughs> I think it's great. Uh, Crow actually just called us, so we're gonna have him in a minute here. He's uh, we're just getting him set up. Before we awesome. get, but while we get him set up, I want to say an ode to Jamal Charles. Tore his ACL out for the year. Yeah. I want to say Jamal. I hope you're feeling good. I hope you're better. Uh, and why don't you talk a little bit about how great Jamal Charles is? Because I think you put it into perspective better than most. Yeah. Well, Jamal Charles, hook him horns, baby. Uh, I think Jamal Charles. Of course. Hey, you gotta look at the stats. Over five yards per carry. NFL. Career average 
Guy's been playing running back for that's eight insane. years. That's insane. Only Jim Brown and Barry Sanders, I think, are at five or better. So that's a phenomenal. I think, I think Jamal Charles is a borderline Hall of Fame running back. I really do. I, I, you do you know, think he comes back from this one? I, I think he does get back, but to say he'll ever be the same, I don't know. Uh, it's just unfortunate that he's been on a team that really has never been able to showcase his talent because – he was on so many teams that were not competitive, not truly legit playoff football teams. Yeah. And, man, for there, there was a span there, you know, four or five years ago. He was right. You know, he gets overshadowed because of one reason. Why? You know, one reason. Why does Jamal Charles not get the respect he deserves? And we're not talking about media market. We're not talking about quarterback no, play. because of Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peter, the same era. He's just been unfortunate that, that maybe the greatest, one of the three greatest so running backs in the history. you're saying it's like the Andy Rock Andy Roddick issue because he was there with Rafael Nadal and, and Federer and all exactly that stuff. It's just right. a bad era. It's just a bad era because Adrian Peterson is one of the three best running backs of all time, in my opinion. Jamal Charles is an all-time great but doesn't get talked about because of AP. All right. Finally, the man, the myth, the legend, the cornerback for your New York Jets, Antonio Cromartie joins the Sims and Lefko podcast. First of all, uh, Antonio, I want to say congratulations. It doesn't happen a lot, but when you get to play Kirk Cousins, you should be absolutely thrilled. It's, it's Kirk Cousins week, baby. I'm so excited for you. But uh, on a serious note, can I ask you a dumb question? This is a football guy. I'm not a football guy. What do you do on your bye week? Like, what? how do you spend your time relaxing? Uh, you know, honestly, I just try to spend time with my wife and my kids. You know, that's just time for me just to relax, uh, put my feet up, take my mind off from football and go from there. You know, I, I won't watch football until that Sunday or other team that I'm about to get ready to play the next following week. So you're not missing football. You're not tuning in all the games. You're sitting there. So what are you watching? What are you watching, like, shows with the kids? Like, what are kids' shows? Yeah, I, watch, I watch my shows. Flash, <laughs> Gotham, <laughs> Scandal. How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, my gosh. Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, Chicago PD. So it just goes on and on. Man. So I, 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 you I, love primetime television, apparently. I love primetime television. That's a, Okay, well, hold on. You, you don't watch that stuff, do no, you? No, I don't watch any of that stuff. But I will say this, Cromarty. I love that you were late for this podcast. It's awesome. You're a true DB. You know, you just like, uh, I don't care. I don't have NFL meetings today. The hell with the Sims and Lefko podcast. I'll show up when I want to in true DB oh. form. No, come on. <laughs> we show up good when quarterbacks uh, are, are, are for the challenge. Uh, all right, ask him this question because I thought that was a good one. By yeah, you. well, okay. So uh, the, I want to ask you, really, it's a two-part question. First of all, through your career, you're one of the freakiest DBs, athletes to ever come in the NFL. Uh, I want to know, toughest guy you've had a guard through your career at the receiver position. And then also answer this. Who's just the freakiest guy you've been a part or been in a locker room with uh, in general? Doesn't have to be a receiver. No Darrell Rivas, no you. But who's just the, one of the freakiest players you've been around? So the guy you had to cover and then just another freak that you, you were around. Uh, for me, the hardest guy was probably uh, Brandon Marshall, to be honest with you. Just going up against him for four years in San Diego with Denver. Right, I was and there. Then both of us getting traded at the same time. He, him, him going to Miami, me going to New York, and we having those battles there. So, um, you know, to me, he was the hardest guy for me to go out and go cover and uh, try to make sure my game plan and my A game was on top of, on top where it needs to be. And then in terms of he asked just overall, guys. who's just the overall freaky guy you've been in the locker room with? Um, overall, oh man, that would probably be 
Holly LT. Oh, right. oh, yeah, right. That's a good one. I, that slipped my mind. Yeah, that's a good one. He, he what deserves is, it. What was he like? In ter- like, what did you see out of him that, that really went, wow, man, this guy's even better than I thought he would be? Uh, you know what? You know, it's, what's crazy is when you sit down during a game in the offense on the field, like my rookie year, I was in like an all moment my rookie year because, you know, that's the year I think he scored 31 touchdowns right. in 2006. So when you see that and the type of guy that he carried himself as in the locker room, so he was my locker buddy. So he was right next to me, uh, him and uh, Quentin Jammer. So uh, just having that and just seeing the way he carried himself as a professional uh, in the locker room and just, you know, he was a great, to, great to be around the locker room and everything else. I love that he's bringing up the charge. I know. And I just want to say one thing to him because about what he said about Brandon Marshall being the hardest guy to cover. Yeah. I was on that Denver team with Brandon Marshall and Cromartie was there. Brandon Marshall hated playing against you. That was the that's the funniest <laughs> thing about it. He when we when we had to play you in that 2009 season, he goes, "Oh man, I hate playing Cromartie because He's so much faster than me. He doesn't respect my deep speed, and so he sits on everything. Wait, so he, <laughs> so he was afraid. So then why did you hate playing? Was it just that he was, like, super physical? Man, this is the point. You don't really have too many receivers that's physical. So, you know, you got a lot of finesse-type receivers. You don't have guys that's one that's willing to, one, that's willing to block, really. You know, they, 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 you, know you got guys that go half at it and try to uh, brother-in-law you with blocking. Uh, but he, he went 100% with that. And it was just a point, just the physicality. He's a hard guy to bring down. Right. And, you know, with his big buddy, you, you trying to go around a guy that's six, you know, six three, six four, two thirty five, trying to get around and try to pick off a pass and knock down a pass is it's hard to get around. It's just what it is is he's, you're having to play no no off plays for running plays. No, definitely not. Not with B. Marsh. Um, you bring up San Diego. First of all, Quentin Jammers may be the perfect name for a cornerback ever. I still think that's great. <laughs> Texas, baby. But my thing is, is I go back when the Odell Beckham Jr. catch happened. Here at Bleach Report, we were talking about, well, wait, is it better than the Antonio Cromartie pick of Peyton Manning? And I don't know if you've been asked this. Who, what was a better catch, your pick against Peyton or the Odell Beckham Jr. catch from last year? I'm going to say neither. I'm going to go with uh, Brandon Lloyd when he was in San Fran in the 2006 year. When it was the complete horizontal straightforward catch? Oh, the one he had. Oh. This, but he got called back for a penalty. Man, B. Lloyd was – I played with B. Lloyd too. He, he was a freak of nature. He was Gumby. <laughs> I mean, he had a 40-inch vertical, and he could bend his body any way he wanted to. He's like Cromarty. I mean, except he's just – the same similar except he body. Went to Illinois, so he's a little bit more buttoned up than the Florida State guy. Uh, uh, ask him. Look, we literally just had a conversation about whether or not Odell Beckham Jr. We know he's great, but is he getting annoying just in terms of like all the pub and all that stuff? You, he, Sims has been talking about it for a while now. Just cut it out. You had some comments recently. What is it in the NFL right now? How, how, what is it like when a young guy is getting this much pub and he's all over the place? Is there? Do you get upset by it at all? No, no, I don't think you get upset. You know, that's, that's him with uh, with the way he played the last what twelve games of his career. Uh, I mean, so the, of his first year. So I mean, you got a guy who missed the first four games of his of, of his rookie campaign and still mm. put up big time numbers. So that to me, with a guy in the way the team was the way it was playing last year. He was the you know high point of at, at that point in time for that team, and you got to think about this: being in New York media is the best media to be in. Mm. 
when you're in this type of market and everything else. So, no, I don't think you, you look at it and you get mad. I think the biggest thing, you applaud him because uh, the way that he came in, he carried himself the right way. He didn't, you know, you know, I didn't hear anything, you know, that he was a bad rookie or anything like that. He just right. went about himself and did his job and, that's the way. That's the way it's supposed to be. So yeah. you were just, you were basically just saying, though, I'm not ready to anoint him the king of the NFL receiver position just because he's played, you know, 15 games to this point. He just, because I know it bothers me a little bit that we've anointed him the king. And yes, I do think he's in the media market a little bit much. So I, I do wish he would tone it down a little bit. But is that kind of what you were trying to say with that comment? No, no, you know when. Look, I mean, what I said it was was a one year wonder. I you know the way I said it may have came out wrong, but you know it, it, it's been said. Right. What what I meant was you know the whole thing about it is he's he's had one year one year. Mm. You can't you know you don't want to have you can't crown one guy for having one big year uh, as a you know as this future Hall of Famer. We don't know how their career is going to go. Right. And that's that, and that's what I meant by it. I, I, I do, I consider him as one of the top receivers in the NFL. Yes. As, as, especially as a guy 25 and under, you know, but when you look at the guys that's put in the work over the years and, and, and does it consistently every single year from the Julio Jones to the Antonio Browns, uh, you know, to the Calvin Johnson, uh, to the Brandon Marshalls, you know, the, the to the list goes on, you know, and you can go back to to Greg Jennings when he was in Green Bay, you know, you can you can put the list, you can go on and on about guys that's been consistently going out and doing it every single week, weekend and week out, right? And that's just what I meant, you know. I, I I don't, I think for me, you know, what I said, the way I said it, it came out the wrong way, mm. but you know, it was a standpoint of just saying, look, he's only played one year, we can't crown somebody that's been the best receiver in the NFL. Of one year, right? You know, that's guys that's done it productively yeah. throughout their whole entire career, you know. And that's what I want to see from Odell: mm. do it consistently and stay out of the media about him talking. You know, that everyone's targeting him and this and that. You know, that's that's just you've been the number one, number one receiver on the on the team. You've been the, the most talked about guy. That's gonna happen. I just you know, just go play football. Let's go go ball out and shut the critics up. Right. I think what's really funny, Antonio, you talked about how great the New York media was. I think that's exactly what happened with you. You're making a good point. It gets bustled down to a soundbite, and then, hey, you're both in New York. That's how that thing starts. In terms of battles, we literally have this argument all the time. <laughs> Better cornerback trio Jets cornerbacks or Broncos cornerbacks? Or, I look at yeah, you. Or anyone that else jumps out at it. Yeah, them, if but. there's anyone we're missing. But you, Revis, and Screen, this dude's been on the Screen bandwagon for a long time. Versus, Listen, I'm, on a, I'm on the Screen bandwagon. <laughs> You're on the Screen bandwagon too. But taking on Roby, Talib, and Harris Jr., how do, how do you compare it? Like, do you guys look at their stats, and, and who do you think really in your mind is better? Because I have a, a feeling which way you're going to lean here. No, honestly, we don't look at anything. Mm. One thing we do is worry about ourselves. To be honest with you, we don't. We we want to consider ourselves the best um, and move on from there. But I think for us, when you look at it, I think we've. I've given up three touchdowns already this season in four games. I don't consider that being good. You know, I don't consider that being my best. Um, and uh, as I think, as a as a secondary as a whole, I think we're giving up four as a whole as a secondary. So you look at it and you and we look at it, and it's like, look, we got one guy that's giving up three, another guy, we're giving up another passing touchdown from that standpoint. So you just you look at it, it's just like we got to play everything into a hole. We don't look at it as 
we want to be the best trio because it's not just it's not just us three. Sure. We look at it as when I when I went down, you know, Marcus Williams stepped in, in and came way. in and played a heck of a game in Cleveland. Then you called on him again in London and and turns around and closed the game out uh, against Miami. So I don't consider us just as a three. I consider us as a unit. Right. You know, from Marcus, from Marcus Gilchrist to Calvin Pryor to Jaquan Jarrett to uh, D. Milliner, who's coming, who's starting to come back sure. into the mix. I consider everybody. I don't, I don't consider us the, like the big three. I consider the whole entire unit. And if you want to put in the whole entire unit, I, I consider us. Yes, I've consider, I can, I, I will consider us one of the, uh, the top units. You know, that's that's including going to Seattle. That's including going to Denver, and whoever else wants to put in there. I think all when you when you put all those three together, you just look at the whole entire second and the defense as a whole and everybody's playing good as a unit from all last to watch. Series. I mean you, you guys on the field and, and all the other defenses you named, there's something special about a secondary that could just shut down this kind of style in the NFL right now. I, I wanna just before we let you go, because I know we're winding down here, but uh, I wanna know just as far as uh, you've played with Darrell Revis a lot of a lot of years now. You obviously know him really well. Hey, I, you're you're tremendously talented. Of course, he's tremendously talented. What are some of the things that jump out to you? Maybe that the fans don't see behind the scenes. What makes Darrell Revis Revis Island week in and week out? <laughs> I just think it's the work ethic. I mean, he understands the receivers. He understands who's he's playing against. He understands. Uh, how how he's going to match up against him. So, I mean, he studies the little things that receivers do. So, uh, that's the thing. That's one of the things that go behind the scenes. I mean, he, and he's a student of the game. He's always looking to learn, always looking to to open up and, and make his game a whole lot better. So, uh, you know, just being around him, this is what my fourth year being around. Uh, so, it's been, it's been good. I mean, uh, just seeing those things and being able to be a part of uh, – be a part, you know, of a secondary like this with him in it, and man, it's, it's, it, it means a lot. Has there ever been a time you mentioned he sees the little things or he can read receivers? Has he ever come over to you during a game or before a game and go, look out for this, and then it happens, and you go, how did he see that? You know, honestly, we, we do that to each other, especially you know when we're not when we're not following receivers, mm. uh, when we're playing left and right. You know, we was like, hey, come, we'll come to the sideline, hey. You know, this is what I get on this side. If he does this, he's going to run this. If you get this formation, he, this is what you're going to get. So we, we try to help each other out with the intel uh, all the way around. You right. know, try to make sure that everyone's on the same page and make sure that everybody sees what we're seeing too. Awesome. Jets yeah. taking on Washington this weekend. Antonio Cromartie, you are the man. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Appreciate you coming on, even though you came on a little late, buddy. We what, appreciate it. Way to do it, DB <laughs> style, baby. <laughs> Thanks, Good luck, man. Uh, he's awesome. You know one thing that people don't talk about with him, too? I, and I, and I didn't want to keep asking him questions because I know he's got an off day and doesn't want to deal with us. Apparently. Uh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> but the thing I, I do think it's amazing about him, uh, and maybe uh, Mother Hen can look up this, uh, Mother Hen, mm-hmm. a.k.a. cockadoodle do. Um, I think he's the first guy I remember at least who they put him back to return a long field goal attempt, and he had the 109 yards. He, he was a Chargers against the Vikings. I know it was Vikings. the longest for a very long time. Right. Well, he can't I, go any longer. Right. But I, I, but I remember it was like that was like wow, you can't go any longer. I think it was the first, and then it became. I feel like, like teams started season. to do it. Right. Yeah. And that was oddly enough the game I think uh, Adrian Peterson broke the rushing record. Do you remember that game? That was an amazing game. Yeah. 
But he was a freak. I mean, freak. he's still the fact that he's still able to play like this at this age is still a freak. Uh, I mean, and let alone the fact that he missed his entire last year of college and came out and was still, I believe, a first-round pick. Yes, uh, yeah, he's one of the guys who, when you get on the football field, with, like he talked about Brandon Marshall. You know, you can't the, the size of Brandon Marshall cannot be described until you see him in person. He's another guy, though. You, you see him in person, you go. Oh, uh, okay. Holy cow. He's like a praying mantis out there. I mean, look at him. He's got he's all arms, he's all legs, his torso is like this big. I asked I asked him a question about the cornerbacks. Right. And I knew that was a possibility for an answer where they're going to say, "Let's bring it out to the macro level and talk yeah. about the team." Right. Do players do that because they're literally in their mindset where they don't want to talk too much about themselves? Or why do you think or do you think that's like genuinely how they feel because once they retire, then they can start going, "Oh, well, our cornerbacks are better." Why when they're playing can they not talk about I it? I think they try to yes, take off the the focus on just one. Is that part. media training, or is that really how his brain works? It, no, I saying. think it's I think it's a little bit just he's trying to be a good good teammate, a yeah. good guy in the locker room to Stop get being everybody. A good teammate. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, and I understand that. <laughs> I wish he would have just gone out with gone out with it and just been yeah. like, oh, we're way better than Denver or whatever of course, else. Of course. Uh, yeah, but but I think as a whole, that is the approach of most guys within the locker room. Is you know, hey, we're good, but I don't look at it that way. Yes, but. I guarantee, I guarantee at some point as the year goes on, they're going to be like, where's our pass defense I bet defense you he's going to go right now onto the Google machine and look <laughs> up Denver stats and go, okay. <clears throat> you know, and I'm sure he already knows about I, it. I mean, there's nobody else that jumps out as far as three corners total. Josh, what are the – you got the top five pass defenses in football right I now? Do. Hold on. I mean, Denver's top three. You can't put Seattle in Denver. Top five pass Chicago's defenses. a top three, but they don't have the Do you know who number no. one is, Chris? Number one in pass defense overall? Yeah. Ooh, it's probably – no, it's not Seattle anymore. You're uh, not going to get it. Okay, Tennessee no. Titans. Oh, Titans, the yeah. The Jets, Titans, Jets, Bears, Packers, Broncos is the top oh. five right now. Yeah. Well, the Packers have three good corners, too. Uh, the Broncos, yeah, the Seahawks, you know, you just look at it. They don't have that third corner. It's, That's, the it's a big issue. It's the Broncos. You think it's the Broncos? I think it's the Broncos. You didn't want to say it to him when he was on here. Well, no, I mean, he gave me, like, the PC answer, so I was <laughs> bored. And I was like, all right, whatever. Nobody, I love that he came on late. Let that was me my say favorite this. I'll say this about Antonio Cromartie. As we bring in our Darrell Rivas, Steven Nelson, to some <laughs> funky music right now. Oh, man. <laughs> if, he's um, on a, if he's our Darrell Rivas, we're yeah, in, you guys are in we're trouble. trouble. You guys yeah, I'm, the, I'm the Calvin day. Pryor. I'm, I'm either going to hit you or you're going to get by me, <laughs> and it's going to be bad. Uh, I will say this, though, about Cock-a-dee-dee. the podcast. More proof that I want. we want to get older guys. Older guys are more fun, man. Antonio Cromartie, he's just willing to They're shoot willing the to stuff. talk. They understand the media. They understand, like, oh, I can get away with saying this. Yes. No one's going to get me in trouble, even yes. though he didn't say it uh, outright. But I really appreciate what he said about Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. there. I mean, yeah. he really – and that was an honest take, and I thought it was right. And I think it's – Antonio Cromartie explains the situation. I thought right. it was good. Yeah, it was good. I'm so excited that you're here, though. I'm happy to be here. You have fresh makeup and a little some on the down low questions. I for do. Us, I huh? got three good ones, and then we got some games to predict. But Dan, you look sexy in makeup. And we only you got about six minutes so left on the podcast, guys, so we're going to have to. Uh, Rapid fire. fire. Rapid fire. Here we go. Cock a doodle doo. Play the first song. Chase Utley I right now is the most hated man in New York City. Of course, as you see here. Chicken sit. Chicken sit. Sit. <laughs> New York is the best. Involved in a controversial, debatable, Questionable slide that Oof. broke Ruben Tejada's leg. Now, my question for you my two God, is, while the media debates how dirty that slide was, I want to know. Right. What's the dirtiest thing you guys have done on the field of play? Oh, man. Yours, think about, mine is simple. It's when we were playing flag football and I destroyed a mirror in his Joe Montana oh, jersey. Man. 
and I just kind of just <laughs> tossed him. And he, how long did he not talk to me? Uh, like two two months, probably. Two months of yeah. photography or Bleacher Report. He was throwing the ball, and I just depleted him because I was like, let me send a message. It's early on in the game. Send a just message. So, company yeah, flag football game. I got you. <laughs> Nelson was like, can never look at me the same after that. He's like, you were out of your mind. But it yeah. was insane. Like, I, I like, we, I was not playing a game. Lefko was on the sidelines. Yeah. And I'm just having fun. I like went to go up, talk to Lefko about the game. And he looked at me, acknowledged I was there, and then looked the other way and was just Johnny walking down the sideline. Johnny what practice squad. Is he on the Dolphins practice squad? He's intercepting <laughs> he Ryan Taylor over there? Yeah, so that's, that was me sending a message to Amir. <laughs> it was my dirty play. Uh, I, you know, mine actually goes right back to high school. I was a, a, a shit talker. Uh, Ooh, I like to talk curse. lots of store high in transit. But um, <laughs> I, as far as dirty things I ever did, I, nothing really jumps out to me other than high school basketball. I kept kind of elbowing this kid, mm. and the ref was kind of turned at one point. We were underneath going for a rebound, and I got another good elbow, and I knocked him down. And this kid went crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then they ended up calling like a technical foul on him. That was probably that was one of the dirtier things. Another thing that always happened funny to me is I ran out in the field. We're about to play Atlanta in week 15 NFL season to win the NFC South in 2005. And I'm running on the field and the defense sometimes they do drills on the field. Uh, and they're all over. It's like, how can I get to my side of the field without kind of getting through your drill? Yeah. Well, I cut through the linebackers' drill. They were on our sideline, but Keith Brooking, one of the linebackers for Atlanta, I kind of went through their drill. All of a sudden, I get, like, knocked in the back. And I'm like, what? And I turn around. Keith Brooking is pissed. Don't you effing walk through our drill. If you, I'm going to whoop you. So we got in a whole shouting our, uh, match uh, right there on the field. And then he wow. ended up getting an interception on me, too. Oh. Well, I got hit as I was throwing. It didn't really count. <laughs> That's yes, true. It does. <laughs> uh, the only other one I would get is I got a technical in high school basketball because I blocked this kid shot. They called a foul and I threw it at his face. Oh, jeez. But I got you a because I, mean, I, I was like the reserve off the bench, so I was going to get my tea. Yeah, Technically, Lefko is that you're another animal when it comes to uh, competition. Uh, DJ Fendrick, spin Here's that. Second track. Ah, <laughs> uh, staying with the Chase Utley Mike Francesa was taking calls on the matter. And then Will from Queens I heard this. And got very emotional about the whole situation. Yeah. And the Mets. Hi. Harvey. He might have such a good tonight. That's what he said. He My question for good. you two is, when's the last time that you cried over a sporting event? Oh, man. And before this, I want Fendrick to tell his story. because yeah, Mine tell- was only a year ago. It was very recent. <laughs> uh, when I walked into Rutgers Stadium for the Penn State game last year, and I saw Penn State warming up to play a Big Ten game against Rutgers, I just started bawling hysterically, uncontrollably. Right. That's seeing, his passion for Seeing Rutgers. a Big Ten game at Rutgers Stadium after growing up and having it be Penn State, I was just uncontrollably crying at the start of the Rutgers Penn State game. So that's mine. Anyone else? That's kind of cool. Weird, cool. But that's weird. okay. Yeah, I that's can admit right. it. Yeah, yeah like, I think it's cool, but it's also like kind of sad like yeah yeah, it's sad that that's what i cared about yeah uh yeah sporting event that i've cried over it's probably something to do i think it's probably my brother uh just uh whether it was the regular season game or he had the good preseason game but it was question on whether he was going to make the team with the jets overall he went out he played well he made the team i I, i've gotten teary-eyed over that before yeah yeah that'd be the last thing probably i would say my cry was very vivid it was um eagles packers playoffs Fourth and 26. 
the season was done, and then Donovan hit Freddie Mitchell, and I was in my room by myself. My brother was downstairs, and we just ran, and we just started hugging each other, and it was just tears. Cries of joy. Tears yeah, another of joy. Tear. And that was like, what, 11 years ago? Yeah, that like was that? a while ago. That, you guys had no business winning that game. No that was business. unbelievable. Do you remember, did you ever cry? Good yeah, old. I would say it was fairly recently. I think the, the first of three. Stanley Cups in the past six years for the Blackhawks. The first one, I could see that. And it was, it was a, because there were, when I was younger, there were a lot of traumatizing events with the Blackhawks. It was a bad franchise, poorly run. And then I saw a video, because I wasn't with my dad. I saw a video of my dad watching the final seconds. And he's yelling at the TV, and then the countdown comes, and he's silent. And oh, I get, I get, I get a little choked up so thinking about emotional it. emotional right now. Yeah, and just seeing how. You know, it just, yeah, that, w- that was a moment for, for like me. Like, we all said, though, if you listen to all of our stories, family, family. family. I mean, Rutgers has been a part of your family. I mean, yeah. I've cried family. more than other sporting events. Every time Armageddon comes on, I cry. I mean, Armageddon <laughs> kills me. Armageddon. I'm a sappy dude, too. So when I, yeah, Armageddon, when he What's comes and goes, when, when at the Don't end of the movie, he goes, thing. permission yeah. to shake the hand of the daughter of the bravest man, man I've ever met on Earth. The father. I, it gets me every time. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing ever, but it gets me every time. I, don't know I cry at Rudy every time. Or Field of time. Dreams when he yeah, has to catch, catch his dad yeah. at the end of the game. Yeah, oh, that always gets That's me. a good one. Nelson, I got bad news. We got to go straight to the picks. Game picks. Uh, yeah, the third one was, it was whatever. About anyways. Sarkeesian? And uh, I, wish we, I could have saved it, but now I can't. Well, that's okay. We can talk Tony about Tony O'Cromarty! All right, time for picks. Fendrick, what's the update? Uh, the update, so big week for Chris Sims. He went 6-0 and this past week. Wait, I don't think that's correct. I don't think that's correct. Well, I lost our one disagreement. Washington I picked the Redskins. Atlanta. Oh, you did pick the Redskins. Wow, I am wrong on my record. So in that case, we are tied at eighteen and eight. So right. what did we both go this week? Uh, Chris went. You both went five and one. Right. You both if, went five and uh, one. And I want so to say he has a right one now. game lead. Right I have a one game should. lead. Yeah. Yes. Because Michael Vick. No, I think I have a two game. I think I have a one game lead. I think it was one. I won. I gained a game Mother last hand, week. Yeah. My yeah, records yeah. are wrong. So hold on. I'm going to recalculate here. I'm just going to say this, Michael Vick. Whatever he's paying you, I will double it. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I pick you and you throw an awful fourth down pass. This week, you come back and you figure it all out. I'm just going to play football. He didn't figure anything out. Uh, I, did you watch the game? He didn't yeah, figure did. anything out. I he's did. got some but, work to do. But, hey, okay, so I still got a one lead, but five and one, yeah. we're doing okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, while Fendrick calculates the actual numbers. Yeah, you guys are right. I had it wrong. Let's right. start with okay. Michael Vick Steelers hosting the Cardinals. Sims. Michael Vick Steelers hosting the Cardinals. Big trouble, little China for the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> okay. because uh, Arizona Cardinals are very good. They're going to win the game. I'm picking Arizona. Okay. Right. I, don't even need to I wish on. we would pick all the games and just talk about five so then we can have a real record. I mean, Ooh. some of the five we pick – they're, they're so easy. I mean, Arizona. Pitch. They're so easy. I mean, I want to see him have to work at this a little. We could pick all 32 next week if you yeah, want. Yeah, let's do it. All, all 32, 32 games. All 32 Jeez. games. All uh, 16. Your math is all bad. 32 teams. I like you better when you're a hen. Right Apparently, <laughs> Roosters can't do math. Uh, Panthers, Seahawks, Lefko. Uh, Panthers, bye week, and uh, Seattle stinks. Panthers, Seahawks, up in Seattle. They don't yeah. stink. I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. Damn it, I forgot where the game is. Yeah, okay. up in Seattle. They're desperate. Charger, well, go ahead, Lefko. No, Too late. No, he already no. made the pick. Chargers at Packers, Sims. Chargers at Packers. Oof. This is going to be interesting. Um, man, I don't know what I want to do here. Well, now that Aaron Rodgers just throw picks on picks at home now. I'm, picking, I'm picking the Packers. I'm kidding. 
Packers. Oh, man. Because I was very impressed with the Packers' defense uh, against the Rams. Yeah. But yeah. I know that Phillip Rivers is another animal. He is another animal. But I'm going Packers at home at Lambeau. That, off, that line scares me in San Diego. This is a tough matchup for Green Bay. I'm going to go with Green Bay, but, I mean, I think it's going to be really close. If the old line for San Diego was healthy, I would pick, I would pick San Diego. Mm. I really would. Uh, Green Bay can't get open, and they're not mm. going to get open against the yeah, San Diego. says they're struggling right now. They are struggling. Bullshit. Go after so. Brandon Flowers. That guy stinks. Yeah, it's still, I don't know if they have enough guys to even take advantage of that. Next New up. England. Okay. Yes, New England. Come right, on. Move on. Yes. And we always got to finish with the Eagles playing the Giants. This is this is your guys' game right here. Right. Oh, that's right. You don't have Quentin Demps anymore. Can't Man, I might have should have picked the Chargers. I'm really, damn, I got to start Change looking it, at these. Change it, go We're back. Just, yeah. No, I'm going to go with the Packers. Okay. okay, so who are you taking, Giants or Eagles? Uh, I'm going with the Eagles. I mean, I've been with the Eagles all year long. You were a little bit of oh, fair weather. Hey, man, you're hey, like half and half. You ready to jump on the bandwagon now with the Eagles? Come uh, on, jump on uh, the bandwagon. I do think this, from the Eagles' perspective. I think fly, the, Eagles, fly. I know we got to get this done quick. I think the Giants rely a lot on the on the Shane Vereen stuff, and I think the Eagles just got a great precursor of that with the Saints relying on the running backs. Sure. I think they're well-versed in that. I think the Eagles have one of the most underrated defenses in the NFL, and I think... The Eagles win game. Oh, yeah. They saw them last year, and they're going to do it again. And you're all going to say, oh, Chip Kelly, he's going to Maryland. He's going to USC. Bullcrap. Chip Kelly going to Maryland. I'll believe that when I see it. Maryland. Right. So I was, didn't it, say it. I know. I'm, Pat I'm, Forty and Bruce Phillips. I wasn't talking to you. Don't get it. Jam-packed show. Thanks to Antonio Cromartie for coming on eventually. Uh, Steven Nelson. Shoot, brother. Chris Sims. Peace out, homies. Uh Big mother hen slash rooster. Mother hen rooster. Can't do math. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Gabe, let me get, hold on, wait for it. Gabe, let me get that hand. Whee. Control room, let me say goodbye to the beautiful people back there that make this possible. Oh, you guys are so beautiful. Hi, Stein Mets so way back beautiful. there. And uh, yeah, so Adam Lefko here. At Sims and Lefko, subscribe to us on iTunes. Keep watching us on Bleacher Report. We're having a blast. Did you see how white Cam is? Man, Cam is white. Well, me and Cam <laughs> are going to go tanning after this. Like, true Woo, bros. Cam, you're a white. Sims and Lefko, out. <laughs>